Welcome to Beltway Talk, the podcast of the American International Automobile Dealers Association, where we examine the intersection between politics and the automobile retail industry. I'm your host, Hannah Oliver. Today's episode is brought to you by Lands and Business, your official and trusted dealership source for team apparel. Committed to providing you and your employees with the very best clothing for work, life, and style. Find out more at AIADA.org. On today's episode of Beltway Talk, we're joined by John Bazella, who is the president and CEO of Global Automakers, a role he's held since 2014. He's here to discuss his work in the auto industry, the policy issues he and his team are working on, and tell us why trade and tariffs are having a huge impact on the entire auto industry, including OEMs and dealers. Thanks for joining us on Beltway Talk today, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you first tell us about your background and what led you to your current position as president and CEO of Global Automakers? Sure. Well, you know, for most of my my career, I've been a car person, a car guy. I have a kind of motor oil in my veins, mm-hmm. but I started out actually in politics and government in New York. Okay. And um, like a lot of people involved in politics and government, um, when my boss lost his reelection effort, uh, I had an opportunity to move into the private sector where I started a Ford Motor Company. And I was there 10 years uh, doing a number of things, human resources, labor relations, government affairs, corporate mm-hmm. strategy, and then moved on to, uh, to Chrysler. And, uh, and then uh, I did a stint in private equity and I got to Global Automakers about five years ago. Um, and you, as you said, you spent most of your career working in the auto industry. What do you enjoy most about it? Yeah, you know, I love I love that we we make real products, things mm-hmm. that people touch, feel that they rely on, that their families depend on, uh, and that you know we we can you can see the entire process from product development through sales and service. Uh, it's really exciting to be part of a, a, a business like that and, and also a business that has such a significant impact, not only on people's lives, as I said, but on the economy of the United States. Absolutely. Are there any differences between your previous work with on the domestic side of the industry versus your current role more with the foreign manufacturers? Yeah, there are, there are similarities and differences. First, the similarities. I mean, no matter you know who you are in this industry here in the United States, um, you know, it's important. Uh, mm-hmm. What we do is important. Uh, but there are certainly differences. When I was at Ford and when I was at Chrysler, you know, in the in the 90s and into the 2000s, and then, of course, during the financial crisis, uh, a lot of what, what it was about was managing, uh, you know, sort of uh, declining sales and 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 a very, very challenging market environment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with working with the international companies that are operating here in the United States, really it's about growth and it's about opportunity. And so you can kind of see how the, how the, how the U.S. industry has changed fairly dramatically yeah. over the years. Mm-hmm. What do you wish more people knew about so-called foreign automakers here in the U.S.? Yeah, I wish they knew that, that international automakers operating here in the United States make almost half the cars made here. Mm-hmm. Almost half the cars made here, uh, and I wish folks realized that more than half of what consumers buy here are international nameplates, and most of those are made in America. So I think people, I, I would hope that we can do a better job of telling that story because I think it's important, uh, and it really speaks to the economic vitality of the industry here in the United States. John, can you tell us a little bit about 
Global Automakers and what it is your association does. Global Automakers is a full-service automotive trade association here in Washington, D.C. What we do is we operate at the intersection between personal mobility and public policy. Okay. We represent large international automotive companies like Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Kia, Subaru, companies like that. We also represent tier one suppliers and tech companies that are either already in or entering the automotive mm -hmm. space. And we work on the key issues uh, that all of us care about that support uh, and nurture the auto industry. Absolutely. So let's turn to more of a policy talk right now. Um, what are some of the policy issues the Global Automakers is working on in Washington, D.C. right now? Yeah, there are three major areas where the industry and public policy are coming together. One is in the uh, driverless car space. So we're seeing okay. a move from uh, from cars that we drive to cars that drive themselves. There's an opportunity to save lives in America's roadways. And so there, there's a need to create a policy environment to support highly automated vehicles. Second, there's a trend toward uh, lower carbon fuels, more electrification. Mm -hmm. And so we're working, working on that. And third, uh, there's a significant uh, uh, amount of work that we're doing right now in the, in the international trade investment yeah. space. Uh, we really need to continue to defend the notion that we are the most vibrant and competitive auto market on earth because of free trade and open investment policies. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to kind of hone in on that trade topic just for a few minutes. Um, can you share your perspective about where the auto industry stands in regard to trade as we're closing out 2018 and what the most pressing issues are for our industry right now. Yeah, I think I think that right now the United States is going through a reappraisal of its trade policies. Mm -hmm. so there's no surprise about that. This is a very, very different approach in the Trump administration uh, with regard to trade than we've seen in the past. And that's creating challenges mm -hmm. uh, for the for the for the American auto industry. You know, we're seeing uh, tariffs on steel and aluminum. Uh, that were designed to protect the steel industry here in the United States, but that are increasing the cost mm -hmm. of building cars and trucks here in the United States. That's being passed on to consumers mm -hmm. in the form of higher prices. That's that's a problem. It's the result of a mm -hmm. trade policy. Uh, we're seeing uh, the renegotiation of NAFTA. We have lived for 25 years with a stable, competitive NAFTA, and now we're shifting into what's called the U.S.-Mexico-Canada mm -hmm. Agreement, uh, that that will probably increase the cost of production here in the United States. And then, of course, there's the specter of prohibitive tariffs yeah. uh, on auto imports and auto parts imports because of a potential threat uh, to national security, if you can even wrap your head around that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little crazy right now. How, from your perspective, how is the industry coping with these issues? Yeah, I've been very, very gratified by the uh, the collective effort across the entire industry. This is a, the U.S. auto industry is a, a lot like a big family. There's mm -hmm. always a little bit of disruption and disagreement among folks in the industry. Yeah. But here there's unity um, and, and not just between, say, AIADA and global automakers, where we enjoy, I think, a robust and very, very fruitful fruitful partnership and, and, and alliance on many issues, but really across the industry as a whole. So the industry mm -hmm. is really galvanized to push back against some of the challenging trade uh, dynamics that we're facing today. 
How could new tariffs in general impact production here in the U.S.? Yeah, I think I'm very concerned. I think that the tariffs can have a huge impact not only on production or on production because of the fact that they'll create much higher prices for vehicles. Mm -hmm. The steel and aluminum tariffs are adding between $400 and $700 to the price of new cars. Wow. If we if the government imposes these 232 national security auto tariffs on auto imports and auto parts imports, you could see prices go up as much as $7,000 a car. So wow. this is extremely significant. And we've got to be very, very aware of what the potential uh, uh, impact of this is. And I know you mentioned briefly the new NAFTA replacement agreement, the USMCA. From an OEM perspective, um, can you share a few highlights of the agreement and how it would affect the U.S. auto industry? Yes, the, the, the USMCA has a set of rules, automotive rules of origin, which govern how you operate here in the United States. Generally, mm -hmm. trade agreements require certain amounts of content uh, in a vehicle to be produced in the region. Here, the new USMCA is much more complex uh, than the than the rules uh, in the current NAFTA. That's mm -hmm. going to add cost and add complexity, uh, and that's a challenge for us. Um, so we're hoping that by the time we work through all of the details, and the companies are still analyzing it now, that we can get to the right place. But it's no, there's no question this is more complex and costly than the agreement that it replaces. Are there any specific elements of it, I mean, that are more complex than others? I know we talk, I've heard a lot about rules of origin, yes. things like that. Is that, I'm just curious where the, where the complexity is coming yeah, the, from. It's a great question. So the complexity is coming in the rules of origin. In the current NAFTA, there's basically one rule. 62.5% mm -hmm. of your vehicle content has to be regional content. Okay. In the new NAFTA, there are seven different rules, all of which have to be met. Okay. And so there are four different content requirements. There's a requirement that we buy 70% of our steel from North American mills. There's a requirement for minimum labor rates, okay. uh, wage rates. And so putting all of those things together and the, and, and the need for the companies to comply with each and every one of those mm -hmm. things creates a, a, a level of regulation we've never seen in a trade agreement before. Okay. So obviously very complex. So I guess we'll see how it flushes out. Um, where do your member OEMs stand on the USMCA? And is this generally viewed as a good or bad thing for our industry? Yeah, well, it's clearly more complex and costly than the rule it replaces. But mm -hmm. we haven't reached our final assessment yet okay. in terms of ratification because there are obviously political and competitive dynamics that we have to work through uh, and make sure we understand um, what those are before we come to our final assessment. So, uh, and, and, and by the way, that assessment includes understanding the new Congress. Okay. Um, what is the path to ratification in the new Congress? So we have some more work to do and some more analysis to do before we can reach a final assessment. Okay. And I know um, last week you testified at the ITC hearing on the USMCA. Um, AIADA President CEO Cody Lusk was there as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the hearing, what you guys talked about, what you guys testified about? Sure. The, the International Trade Commission is tasked by Congress with doing an economic analysis mm -hmm. of the new trade agreement, the new USMCA. And the industry was represented on the very first panel and Cody was there and I was there and others from the industry. We made three really important points, I think. One is that while the steel and aluminum tariffs mm -hmm. um, remain in, uh, in effect, it's very, very difficult 
to come out with a positive view of the you know of, of USMCA mm-hmm. because the 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 steel and aluminum tariffs are very distorting. They're raising costs of doing business here, and so we said number one, get rid of those. Okay. The second thing we said is you should not impose the 232 auto tariffs, the national mm-hmm. security tariffs on auto imports and auto parts imports, because that would blow away and just you know just eviscerate any benefits mm-hmm. that might come from USMCA. And then the third thing we said is, look, this new agreement is more complex. There's a lot more rules and regulation in it than the previous one. And you need to give us some time to work through those and make sure we understand them um, and and make sure we get the competitive balance right. Okay. Thanks for that update on the uh, briefing yesterday. Um, What do you think dealers should note about their um, OEMs and the trade and tariff issues? So kind of moving from the manufacturer side of things and related to dealers what do you think they should note yeah the, and and I know our you know our friends on the retail side of the business really understand this intuitively but here's the problem in a nutshell tariffs increase the cost of production when mm-hmm. when cars get more expensive people buy fewer when people buy fewer we have less need to build cars. And when we have less need to build cars, fewer people are employed. And so it's sort of a race to the bottom, right? And yeah. so what ends up happening is the tariffs create a pressure on the retail level. Um, higher prices mean fewer sales. And then that creates pressure on the production side. So it's a real, I think we have an obligation to work together mm-hmm. to make sure that policymakers, folks in Congress, and even our governors, uh, in the big auto states, understand how significant this is and how painful yeah. this could be to our customers and their constituents. Absolutely. Thanks for that. I think we'll move to conclude with some less serious questions than trade and tariffs. Um, what do you like to do in your free time, John? So I, I like to ride my bike. I'm a cyclist. Okay. Um, and I spend a lot of time when I can find it, you know, on the bike, riding through uh, through the Virginia countryside or in Connecticut where I where I also have a home. Nice. Um, you like all the trails around here? I do. I yeah. do like the trails. And I also like to be out on the roads. And uh, sometimes I take my bike over to the eastern shore. So it's great. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, this area has lots of great trails. So um, what is your favorite D.C. restaurant? If so you can my, pick just one. That, that's that's easy. My my uh, my favorite DC restaurant is Sfulina, which okay. is it's hard to spell but easy to say. Which is an Italian restaurant, actually not too far from our office. They make great homemade pasta. It's my favorite place. Well, I'm gonna have to check that one out. Um, and finally, I ask everyone this: What is your dream car? <laughs> you know, this is really, this question could get somebody like me, you know, it's somebody like me in, in trouble. Um, you know, my, my dream car is a, uh, a vintage Ferrari. That is my dream car. So I want to go back and, and get kind of a mid sixties Ferrari. And that's my, my aspiration for, you know, if I win the lottery. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like a very nice car. Um, I think that sums up everything today. John, do you have anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? Well, I want to thank uh, Cody and the team here at AIADA. We really do enjoy our partnership. Uh, we work together on a lot of issues, and I think it's uh, important that we continue to do so. So I want to thank you for, for uh, all the work we do together. Well, thank you for joining us in the studio here today. It's been great to have you on Beltway Talk. Thank you. That wraps up this episode. 
As a note, if you'd like to get involved in AIADA's mission in Washington, please consider attending one of our 2019 events, including our Washington fly-in this April or our annual meeting and luncheon this January in San Francisco. Information and registration for both events is available on our website at aiada.org events. Thanks for listening and join us again next time for Beltway Talk.